Thank you for listening to the podcast for Burlingame United Methodist Church, located in Burlingame, California. Each week, we will share a sermon by Reverend Ann Duncan. Thank you for joining us on our journey through the Bible. Hear now our scripture lesson from the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 8, verses 26 through 40. Then an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Get up and go towards the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a wilderness road. So Philip got up and went. Now there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of the Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, in charge of her entire treasury. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning home. Seated in his chariot, he was reading the prophet Isaiah. Then the spirit said to Philip, go over to this chariot and join it. So Philip ran up to it and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. Philip asked, do you understand what you are reading? And the eunuch replied, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to get in and sit beside him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb silent before its shearer, so he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation, for his life is taken away from the earth? The eunuch asked Philip, About whom, may I ask you, does the prophet say this, about himself or someone else? Then Philip began to speak, and starting with this scripture, he proclaimed to him the good news about Jesus. As they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What is to prevent me from being baptized? He commanded the chariot to stop, and both of them, Philip and the eunuch, went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he was passing through the region, he proclaimed the good news to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. May God add blessing to this word. This morning we are beginning a year-long sermon series on the Bible. Together we will be exploring the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. We will hear not only many of the stories of the Bible, but also, and more importantly, the power of the Bible. And today we begin. Our scripture this morning testifies to the power of the Bible. The story is from the Acts of the Apostles. The episode takes place after the resurrection of Jesus Christ and describes the first days of the Christian church. Philip, one of Jesus' twelve disciples, encountered a foreign man driving a chariot away from Jerusalem. At the end of the story, the Ethiopian's life is changed through the power of the Bible. Why would an African official, a non-Jew, on the back of a chariot heading down a bumpy wilderness road be reading the ancient prophet Isaiah? The official was a successful man. He was a chief financial officer of his nation, the head of his country's Federal Reserve Bank. 
He should have been reading a financial spreadsheet or the Wall Street Journal. Instead, this official was reading Jewish scripture. What was this Ethiopian official seeking? If you are traveling to a place you have never visited, you need a Google map. If you are putting together a child's bike, you need an instruction sheet. If you are cooking a new dish, you need a recipe. Now, if you are looking for God, which map, which instruction sheet, or which recipe do you use? The answer is the Bible. I remember the first Bible I ever received. I was in the third grade and learning how to read. My home congregation gave each of us third graders our own copy of the Bible. This Bible has a red cover and a picture of Jesus surrounded by his disciples. My full name, Anne Green Langford, was engraved in gold lettering on the front. I held this Bible carefully and thumbed through the pages throughout the rest of the worship service. The second Bible I received was at age 12 for confirmation when I was joining the church as an adult. This Bible is maroon and also had my name engraved on the front. My fellowship friend, an older woman of faith who supported me, gave me this Bible. Alma Morton was 80 years old. Alma dropped out of school in eighth grade and worked in a cotton mill her entire life. She would sit with me on her front porch and read with me my Bible and offer guidance and love. The final Bible I want to share with you this morning is the one I bought my sophomore year at Duke University. I bought it for my Old Testament class in a version required by the professor. The pages in this Bible are covered with my handwritten notes. This Bible represents a time in my life when I became most captivated by the Bible's words and more fully understood the power of the Bible. Throughout my life, the Bible has shaped me, sharing with me God's power and love. I will share more with you about this Bible and what it has taught me in the year to come. What is the Bible? The word Bible literally means books or library. The Bible is a collection of 66 books that spans over 1,000 years of human history. Locations include Iraq, Syria, Italy, Greece, Turkey, Israel, Egypt, and beyond. This library includes books of history, law, poetry, prophecy, love letters, international politics, biographies, and short stories. Sometimes the customs can seem strange and the people and places can be hard to pronounce. Today, there are more Bibles than people in the United States. There are more Bibles than any other book in the world. We have thousands of different translations. In the remote village I lived in during the Peace Corps, they had a Bible in their local language, Kabyeh. For Christians, the Bible provides answers and directions for our most basic spiritual questions. This book is our spiritual map, instruction sheet, and recipe guide. We read the Bible in public worship and in our private devotional lives. This book helps us determine our faith and shows us how to live as followers of Jesus. Christians are truly people of the Bible.
the Old Testament, the first part of the Bible, which we will study over the next five months, is Jewish literature written before the birth of Jesus. The Old Testament, or Hebrew Bible, covers creation to about 300 years before the birth of Christ. The Old Testament includes stories about the beginning of the world, a great flood, the Jews' escape out of Egypt, David and Goliath, and lots of other dramatic narratives. We also hear about God establishing special relationships with people like Noah, Abraham and Sarah, Moses, and the people of Israel. The Old Testament also includes songs, poetry, prayers, wise sayings, prophecies about a coming Messiah, and preachers calling for justice. These stories tell the dramatic story of a chosen and gifted people who lived through some of the most tumultuous periods of world history. More importantly, Christians hold the Bible in such high regard because in this book, we meet Jesus. In the New Testament, written from the birth of Jesus to about 100 years after Jesus, we discover God through Jesus of Nazareth and how people responded to him. We will start on these stories in December. The first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, describe Jesus' birth, miracles, teachings, final days, and resurrection from the dead. The New Testament then continues with the history of the early Christian church, letters to the first congregations, and a description of the climax of history. Because we believe that Jesus Christ reveals God most clearly, the New Testament contains our definitive sacred writings from God because it points us to Jesus. The Bible is a key component of what we call the Word of God. The Word of God means that God speaks in the Bible. In the Bible, God's own words and mighty acts in human history are witnessed, passed along orally, written down, and copied through thousands of years. Do we believe every word in the Bible? Are all these biblical stories accurate? Christians believe that every word in Scripture was inspired from God and written down and transmitted by faithful human beings. Yet sometimes we ask the Bible to be something it is not. While the Bible describes the physical universe, it is not a book of science. While the Bible tells historical facts, it is not a book of history. While the Bible looks into the future, the Bible is not a book of precise predictions. While the Bible gives lots of advice, the Bible is not a rule book. The Bible is not a self-help book, nor is it full of quick and easy answers. Fundamentally, the Bible is a profound map to help us find our way to God. God created human beings with inquisitive minds, good teachers, and our own set of experiences. While the Bible is our final authority, we also ask our best scholars what it means, talk about the Bible with other Christians, and then evaluate scripture about how we experience God. God still speaks to us through this book. The Holy Bible is the spirit-filled, living, dynamic, ever-unfolding presence of God among us. We will be listening to God's word this year at Burlingame. At its heart, the Bible fundamentally tells us about the truth of our relationship with God, how God and people meet, ways we fail God, and where God's unfailing love reclaims us. The Bible contains everything we need to know about how we can be in relationship with God. And during the next year, 
prepare to be startled by what you find. When you read the Bible, it will make demands on you, not just the act of reading it, but what it says to you. Let us return to today's scripture. After Philip got up into the eunuch's chariot, Philip explained to the official that the passage he was reading from the Old Testament was actually a story about Jesus. Philip then explained that he personally knew Jesus. Philip described how Jesus had been unjustly crucified, had been resurrected, and was still alive. At the end of the conversation, the Ethiopian official asked Philip to baptize him and accept him as a follower of Jesus. On that day, in reading and talking about scripture, the Ethiopian official became the first non-Jewish follower of Jesus. A more contemporary man also discovered Jesus through the Bible. During the 1960s, Eldridge Cleaver attained notoriety as a leader of the Black Panther organization. You may remember Cleaver. He lived in Oakland, just across the bay from here. He was involved in many violent crimes. Finally, Cleaver was then involved in a shootout with police in Oakland, and Cleaver fled to Europe for political asylum. In 1975, still in exile, he went into a deep depression. Here is Cleaver's story in his own words. I returned to the Mediterranean coast of France and began thinking of putting an end to my life by committing suicide. I was sitting up on my balcony one night and I was brooding, downcast, at the end of my rope. I looked up at the moon and saw certain shadows, and the shadows became a man in the moon. And I saw a profile of myself, a profile that we had used on posters for the Black Panther Party. I was already upset, and this scared me. When I saw that image, I started trembling. I was shaking, a shaking that came from deep inside, and it had a threat about it that this mood was getting worse, that I could possibly disintegrate on the scene and fall apart. As I stared at this image of myself, it changed and I saw my former heroes paraded before my eyes. Here were Fidel Castro and Karl Marx, Frederick Engels, each one appearing for a moment of time and then dropping out of sight like fallen heroes. Finally, at the end of the procession, in dazzling, shimmering light, the image of Jesus Christ appeared. That was the last straw. I just crumbled and started crying, I fell to my knees, grabbing hold of the banister. And in the midst of this shaking and crying, the Lord's Prayer and the 23rd Psalm came into my mind. I hadn't thought about these prayers for years. I started repeating them, and after a time, I gained some control over the trembling and crying. Then I jumped up and ran to my bookshelf and got the Bible. It was a family Bible my mother had given to me because I am the oldest boy. When Kathleen, my wife, left the United States to join me in Europe, she brought with her a very small bag, and instead of grabbing the Communist Manifesto or Das Kapital, she packed that Bible. That is the Bible that I grabbed from the shelf that night and in which I turned to the 23rd Psalm. I discovered that my memory really had not served me that well. I got lost somewhere between the valley of the shadow of death and the overflowing cup. 
but it was the Bible in which I searched and found that psalm. I read through it. Pretty soon the tide started swimming before my eyes. I lay down on the bed and went to sleep. That night I slept the most peaceful sleep I have ever known in my life. I woke up the next morning with a start, as though someone had touched me, and I could see in my mind the way, all the way back home. Cleaver understood the power of the Bible. After the experience, Cleaver returned to the United States, stood trial, and was placed on probation. The rest of his life was not easy. He struggled with drugs and violence. Yet he lived the rest of his days until his death in 1998 as a Christian. This year, I invite you to join this congregation and me as we work our way through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. We'll use the Bible as a map in our relationship with God. In our worship every week, we will talk extensively about one particular biblical story. Consider today reading the Bible. Pick it up. Try it. Jesus is trying to speak to you through it and change your life. Every biblical story, if we look carefully, illumines our lives, declares to us who God is, and describes how Jesus works in our lives. As we walk through the Bible, we meet wonderful characters, experience awesome stories, ask profound questions, and hear challenging answers. The Bible is powerful, and I invite you to join me this year in a journey through the Bible. Thanks be to God. Amen.